Chapter thirty three of St. Charles Borromeo, a sketch of the reforming cardinal by Louise M. Stackpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter twenty three His House in Order. In the almost unendurable heat of midsummer in the plains of Lombardy, Charles passed from parish to parish on his pastoral visitations. At Legnano, he was surprised to find that there was only one priest to minister to the spiritual needs of a large population. In the neighboring village of Parapiago, there was a collegiate church served by five canons. The congregation was small, so Charles considered that under the circumstances he was justified in robbing Peter to pay Paul. He therefore removed four of the canons to Legnano, erected the collegiate church there under a provost, appointed a priest to attend to a hamlet where there was a chapel of ease, and gave Parapiago in charge to two clergymen. He returned to Milan to celebrate the feast of Our Lady's Nativity, giving his benediction with unutterable fervor and love to his cherished flock. It was the last time he was to officiate in the beautiful Duomo. Most of the congregation looked for the last time, though they knew it not, on the frail, attenuated form and the thoughtful, refined face of their archbishop. Eyewitnesses relate that, when he offered up the holy sacrifice and blessed the people, his countenance glowed with seraphic joy, and his whole demeanor was instinct with indescribable majesty and dignity. As the sun when it shineth, so did he shine in the temple of God, when he put on the robe of glory and was crowned with the perfection of power. When he went up to the holy altar, he honored the vesture of holiness. News was brought him on September 18th that Francesco Bossi, Bishop of Novara was in his last agony. He accordingly set off at once, but, though he traveled post-haste, he arrived too late. He officiated at the funeral, however. Scarcely was it over when a messenger arrived from Cardinal Ferrero, announcing that their cousin, the Marquis de Messerana, was dangerously ill. The indefatigable cardinal immediately proceeded to the castle of the dying noble, administered the last sacraments, and prepared him for death. The two cardinals then went on to Vercelli, that city was in a state of unrest. Dissensions of various kinds divided the canons of the chapter. Matters had reached such a pass that the more peaceable of the citizens feared there would be a riot, and that blood would be shed and bones broken. The bishop, Monsignor Giovanni Francesco Bonomi, was away, acting as nuncio at the imperial court. In his absence, Gregory Thirteenth deputed Charles as visitor apostolic to endeavor to restore concord. Ten days after the arrival of our saint, peace was re-established. The warring canons were reconciled, and they one and all agreed to obey in future the decrees of their bishop. Several prelates, hearing that Charles was at Vercelli, visited him there, consulting him on the government of their diocese, and entreating him to solve several vexed questions. He gave them the benefit of his advice. Cardinal Borromeo had written to his beloved spiritual son, Charles Emmanuel, to congratulate him on his approaching marriage with the Infanta of Spain. In reply, the Duke sent a most pressing invitation to his dear father, warmly asking him to come to Turin. It was but a short journey, so Charles agreed. He wished to converse with the prince and give him salutary advice, but he also passionately longed once again to venerate the holy winding-sheet. He spent a short time at the court and had several important interviews, principally on spiritual subjects, with the Duke of Savoy, who wished him to promise to return for the wedding. "'My father, I implore you to come and bless my marriage with the Infanta,' the young prince pleaded. Charles smiled enigmatically, and when closely pressed to give a decided refusal, remarked dreamily, 
perchance we may never meet again. On October 8th he left Turin. At Biella he heard that his cousin the Marquise de Mezzarano was dead, so he hurried to the Castello di Mezzarano to attend the funeral and comfort the widow. Having paid this visit of charity, he felt free to go to Viralio to make his annual retreat. He sent for his confessor, Father Adorno S.J., for he wished to follow the spiritual exercises under the direction of the learned and saintly Jesuit. We know that his devotion to our Lord's passion had always been great, but during his stay at Varallo it increased to such a degree that he frequently spent hours kneeling before the various mysteries, lost in contemplation, and quite oblivious of the flight of time. On one occasion he spent eight hours in one of the chapels, neither moving nor speaking, his eyes burning with divine love, fixed with inexpressible tenderness on the image of our Saviour. When Father Adorno at last roused him from this ecstatic meditation, the cardinal reproached him for interrupting his devotions so soon, and when the Jesuit remarked he had spent eight hours in prayer, Charles replied, smiling, You have put on the clock. It is impossible fitly to describe the sublime heights of sanctity to which Charles attained during his last retreat. He made a general confession with sobs and tears. He practiced the severest corporal austerities, sleeping on a plank, disciplining himself to blood, taking only bread and water. This had been his daily fare for many years, but now he was so weakened by suffering that his confessor ordered him to partake of more solid food, to have some straw placed on the plank on which he slept, and to moderate his penances. He reluctantly complied, being under obedience, but, compelled to slightly abate his mortifications, he increased daily in humility. Never was any one so humble and meek as the once haughty Borromeo. He had renounced the humilitas, the motto of the house of Borromeo, using only the archiepiscopal seal of Milan, but it was engraved on his heart. All his actions showed the deepest humility, the most profound abjection. He made himself the servant of all lighting their lamps, calling them in the morning, refusing to allow them to serve him. On October 18th he set out for Arona, to meet the Cardinal of Vercelli, who wished to consult him on several important matters. He spent a few days there transacting business, stopping at the Jesuit monastery instead of at his own old home, the Rocca de Arona. On his return to Varallo, he was attacked by a tertian fever, and was soon seriously ill. When the fever left him for a few days, he made up for the time he had been obliged to lose by working with redoubled energy. He had an enormous correspondence, and, as letters requiring immediate answers had accumulated, it was a very fatiguing task to reply to them all. He did not, however, shrink from it. Cardinal Sondrato required his advice on matters of moment. He returned the letter with copious marginal notes. He wrote to the Pope strongly recommending to his paternal care and generosity the Jesuit fathers of the Barrera University. Cardinal Paliotti wished him to publish the treatises he had composed at Sabionetta on prayer and on the art of meditation. Charles refused, writing that they were not worth printing until they were revised and corrected. These invaluable manuscripts are still in the Ambrosian Library at Milan and have not yet been published. When Charles had regained a little strength, he went to Ascona to open the college of which he had laid the foundation stone about fifteen months previously. He was very anxious to do this, for the founder had willed that it should be in working order within two years of his death. The plague was raging at Ascona and at Locarno, but this only made Charles more desirous to visit these towns and help the inhabitants. 
He got so ill, however, that he was compelled to leave and return to Arona. When he arrived there, his cousin Count Renato Borromeo vainly entreated him to spend the night at the Rocca. Renato was the elder son of Charles's uncle, Guilio Cesare Borromeo, and the brother of the gentle, angelic cardinal, Frederick Borromeo, who was the second successor of our saint in the See of Milan. Charles turned a deaf ear to his cousin's entreaties, refusing to spend even one night under the paternal roof, and staying instead at the Jesuit monastery. He spent but a few days there, as he wished to arrive in Milan in time to celebrate the Feast of All Saints. In vain, Renato urged the beneficial effects, sure to ensue from a sojourn in his native place. Charles decided to start at once for Milan. However, he got so ill that he was unable to leave Arona until November 2nd. He was too weak to offer up the Holy Sacrifice, but he received Holy Communion. Then they carried him to the boat, laying him on a bed provided by Renato, who insisted on his reclining on it. Renato and Father Ordono S.J. accompanied him on his journey. They sailed across the Lago Maggiore, entered the Ticona River, and pursued his journey through the Naviglio, and so reached the outskirts of Milan. The dying man was placed in a litter and slowly conveyed to his palace, where he was welcomed by his brother-in-law, Count Annibali Alto Infe, and his nephew. Charles greeted them affectionately, then retired to his oratory, but was soon obliged to take to his bed. In the meanwhile, physicians had been sent for. When they arrived and examined the patient, they shook their heads, declaring he was sick unto death. When he heard their sentence, Charles smiled radiantly, saying in rapt accents, May the most holy will of God be blessed. Peace was coming to him at last, the peace that passes all understanding. He had fought the good fight for many years, and now the victory was almost won. His house was in order. He was at peace with God, with his neighbor, and with himself. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. End of chapter 33